0: Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Stars' daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, December 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We talk Royals today with Lynn Worthy. There's been a flurry of activity with the team over the past week or two, the latest being the signing of reliever Greg Holland, who was terrific for the Royals in the abbreviated 2020 season. We also chat about the signing of Carlos Santana and catch up on other Royals news. As Lynn says, the hot stove is heating up. After a break, we'll hear what Dayton Moore had to say about the Holland signing, and then we'll play a panel discussion about the Royals that aired on MLB Network on December 8th. Ken Rosenthal and Ron Darling discussed the Santana signing, and I think you'll find it interesting. But first, here's Lynn Worthy. Hey, Lynn. How you doing today? Doing all right. Doing all right. Seems like um, when we talk, this has happened a couple times with our conversations. That uh, we we record this typically in the late morning, as we're doing today, on Tuesday, and, uh, and then the Royals make noise uh, and news in the afternoon. And that was the case last week. We were, you and I were talking about, um, you know we were talking about uh, Mike Miner and uh, and Michael Taylor, I think, and then they signed Carlos Santana or announced the signing of Carlos Santana in the afternoon. We're going to get to Carlos Santana, but uh, there has been uh, even a, another development since then, and that is the Royals re-signing Greg Holland. And um, for I, what do we get? Uh, tell us, a, uh, give us the details of, of the contract with Greg Holland. Club didn't release it, but you, but you found out.
1: Yeah, it's a one-year deal. He's going to get uh, base salary two point seven five million, with up to uh, another million and a half in uh, performance bonuses. Okay. So yeah, the um, you know the 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 stove is uh, officially hot. I think, uh, especially (laughs) compared to the rest of Major League Baseball.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, After a break, we're actually going to hear a little bit of a roundtable on uh, from MLB.com or or the MLB Network, I should say, um, about this. And when the Royals can. You know, work their way into the you know the conversation on on the national level. Then you know they're you know they're swinging the bat, and uh, which is something Santana doesn't always do. But we'll talk like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so Greg Holland returns. I think this is a move that everybody's nodding in agreement with, and it's based on the success that he had in in twenty twenty. It's just a you know an abbreviated season, but. Greg Holland really returned to form. That folks that uh, that remember him from the, especially the 2014, but 14 and 15 seasons uh, that they remember.
1: Yeah, and I mean he's not throwing you know 95 if that's the. um, I mean if you look at return to form in terms of velocity, but he's still as effective as you know any pitcher they have in their bullpen. Um, I think his ERA last year was uh, in that shortened season was like a 1.9. Um, the whip was under one um, you know he had more than a strikeout per inning um, he had six saves and that's most of those came down the stretch after you know Trevor Rosenthal was traded away so I mean and he pitched in different roles I mean they, he was a guy who they might bring him in you know in the seventh inning depending on where they were in the lineup he, he pitched um, in extra innings in that tie game situation. I think the the first win of the season, I think he might have actually recorded that win if I remember right, because I think he pitched – he might have pitched that 10th inning or maybe he pitched the ninth inning, I'm not sure, um, in Cleveland. And so, yeah, he's – and just his experience. I mean, when you look at the guys that have gotten the bullpen, especially you take Rosenthal out, most of those guys are still fairly, you know, uh, young in their careers. I mean, you got Barlow, you got Stalmont, you got – um, han who's you know uh, converted to a reliever you got a guy like Kyle Zimmer so um you know um he's uh, tyler zuber he's, he's he's the veteran to sort of anchor that group of guys that you you think got potential but you're not entirely sure what the what they're going to be um you know as finished products
0: yeah I, I like that idea of holland as a kind of a, a veteran presence a mentor for the younger arms in the bullpen what what do you, th- do you see the same role for him in 2020 uh 2021 or or, or d- d- does it get adjusted a little bit
1: um i think i mean and going back to i think it was two weeks ago i um, talking to mike Matheny on the phone and i think there's still that sense that they're going to stick with not a true designated closer where okay the whole goal is to get to this guy in the ninth inning i think You know, obviously Holland could be that closer guy, but depending on the matchup, depending on the situation, they may use him in, you know, what they dub high leverage situations. Um, And like I say, um, going back to a couple of weeks ago, it sounded like at that point they didn't know for sure Holland was going to be back, but it sounded like they were still leaning towards not having necessarily a set closer and going with the hot hand, depending on where you are in the lineup, depending on the, the situation in that point in the game. Um, so I think it's going to be similar, but it definitely, as far as a, a veteran presence leader down there in the bullpen, he's definitely still going to have that, that role. Um, you just may see multiple guys, you know, save games. And I think um, down the stretch last season, there were, I want to say, five different guys who had saves, or I guess uh, after Rosenthal left, there were, you know, still – Maybe four other guys. It was Holland, Hahn, Barlow, Newberry. All had saves, and that's not even counting Stallmont.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it really was by committee. I was just uh, I was so impressed with Holland's movement um, movement on the ball. That's that's what a lot of Royals fans remember from the the, the pennant winning years. Was it wasn't his velocity as much as the movement, and, and he, he's absolutely. If he had lost any of the control there, it was regained in in uh, in last year. And the, listen, the signing played to good reviews, as did the one a uh, week ago. Carlos Santana, a absolute pain in the butt uh, to the Royals <laughs> throughout his, his Cleveland career, and uh, and and now he's going to wear a Royals uniform. That'll be uh, th- that'll be fun to see for Royals fans if he can. I don't know, uh, replicate more of his 2019 season than his 2020 season at bat. He still drew the walks. still, And we need to talk about that with the value of that. But uh, just about getting his swing back, his his contact back, what are the prospects for Carlos Santana? First of all, in the lineup, and then kind of what do you expect from him as a player?
1: Well, you know, that was one of those things that um, I think going back to the beginning of the offseason, Dayton Moore had talked about a middle-of-the-order bat. And he was like, okay, well, that, that sounds good. Let's see what they end up with. You know, you weren't sure if they were going to be um, maybe going for some young guy and some upside or what, what that was going to look like. Um, and they go and they get a guy who's, you know, um, who's had 30 home run seasons, who's uh, won a silver slugger, who was an all-star, not, you know, five, ten years ago. I mean, he was that silver slugger and all-star parents were in 2019, the last full season that you saw. Um, and he's a guy who is hit really well in Kauffman Stadium. I mean, he's he's treated that place like you know, like it was his his own personal <laughs> home ballpark, um, yeah, yeah. like for years. And um, and also one of the you you get the, sort of the twofer because he's taken from a division rival, and he's one of the best um, you know most productive hitters. In uh, Indians' history, in terms of, or I should say, the soon-to-be no longer Indians' <laughs> history, right? right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he's uh, and he's a middle, definitely a middle order bat I mean, he's. Um, I, I was guessing. I think we did one. Uh, Pete and I did something for the, that we put on line where we sort of guessed at the lineup, and I think I put him at you know potentially fifth behind the you know Salvi and Soler, but you could also see him maybe in four in the four spot. Um, he's a switch hitter, so you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, necessarily being too left-handed or right-handed. He he takes care of that for you. Um, and he's, like you mentioned, an on-base guy. He's not so much a a feast or famine, a, okay, strikeout or or home run. Um, you know, even in his, this past season where he didn't have a great average, he batted, you know, 199, that on-base was still 349, which, um, I think for that 2020 season, for what it's worth, that 349 on base still puts him above, like, I think that puts him above Witt. I think that puts him above um, uh, Dozier. That put him above a few of your main guys in the lineup this past year. I think, I'm not sure if that was above Salvi or not, because Salvi was obviously red hot, was it was above Soler. I mean, so this is a guy who, you know, is not just a, a swing for the fences guy.
0: Yeah, look, it, it, it's it's never been you know the Royals' way to to draw walks. It just hasn't been. They they're a put the ball in play, free swinging organization. I, I don't know if that's philosophical. I guess to some extent it is philosophical, basically allowing players to do that. They they do it. You know, other you hear about other organizations like Twins or one that um they, they do preach the patience at the plate, uh, but. But Santana certainly—that's that, that's his MO, right? He is a patient hitter, and um, and, and I think that that'll bring great value to uh, to the lineup. Which and you're right, you and Pete Gradhoff put together a uh, projected lineup for uh, for 21. You had uh, Witt leading off, Mondi in the two hole, then Perez and Soler three and four, Santana hitting fifth, uh, Hunter Dozier playing third base. By the way, uh, hitting sixth. Franchi Cordero in left field at se- hitting seventh, Michael Taylor, um, the, the, the other, uh, free agent newcomer, uh, hitting, uh, hitting eighth and Nicky Lopez, uh, batting ninth. So, um, a deeper lineup than, than what we saw last year, in my opinion, there's still, you know, there's still a little bit of softness at the bottom when it comes to, uh, there's no power there for sure. But, uh, uh, but I think people would look at that lineup and say that's a little bit more of a competitive batting order and lineup than than what the Royals had last, most of last year. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, well, and and I mean, as far as the power, I mean, um, you know, you taking – uh, Nikki out of that, um, in it, you're, you're betting on upside there when you talk about, um, like, Franchi and uh, uh, Michael Taylor. But, I mean, Taylor's a guy who had a 19-home run season a couple of years right. ago. And power was one of the things that they, they talked about that they felt like set him apart. I mean, because obviously there's the defense and the speed. But the fact that he's displayed power and he's displayed it at the big league level, I mean, I know he, he did it all the way coming up through the minors, too. I remember, you know, this is probably going back to 13 or 14. I remember seeing him in double A and it wasn't a scout at the ballpark when he was in the national system that, that didn't fall in love with Michael Taylor just because of just his athletic ability and power and everything else. So, I mean, he's athletically, this is a gifted guy. Um, he's just, you know, he's had seasons where he struggled to be consistent at the plate. But um, his twenty, I guess it was twenty seventeen season, I think was where he had the nineteen home runs, and um, so he's shown the power. Um, it's Just you know, obviously consistency is the big thing there. And then Cordero is another guy that you know physically is gifted, um, and you know has uh, has shown even just at the end of last season show those flashes with the home runs that he had in that game. Um, I think it was against the Cardinals, and he's been a guy who's shown potential to be a, a five-tool type guy with his just his uh, his raw abilities. Again, consistency and staying healthy has been his main thing. But um, so, if if those guys you know make good on some of that promise, and that's seven eight in your lineup, that's not a, a bad place to be at.
0: Right, right. Hey, also going on with the Royals, um, <laughs> I thought this was funny. Salvador Perez has been picking up hardware. Uh, a lot of hardware in the last uh, week, week and a half. He was named the—I'm um, sure I got this right—the American League Comeback Player of the Year. He was on the All Major League Baseball team, and some of the reaction that I saw from fans was, "Well, we didn't know they had those awards." <laughs> now, is it maybe, maybe it's because Royals haven't won them in a while, and it's been since the, you know, the, the pennant-winning teams that the Royals were winning any kind of individual awards, and even then, they didn't—they didn't win many. Um, it was such a such. They, they weren't certainly not the uh, the baseball writers' awards. They didn't win a Cy Young or an MVP in in those. Uh, I don't think Ned Yost certainly wasn't manager of the year. But uh, but nice nice little haul for for Salvador Perez and and um, uh, and, he, and he actually he, he did have a terrific year. I know he missed a few games with the injury, but when he he was hot before he got injured, and he got injured, and then he came back and was was stayed hot and. That was a um, uh, that, that was such a good sign for the Royals to see him return um, uh, after missing all of 2019. A return with the you know with with the type of bat that he had.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think um, I want to say the All MLB team. I think that that may only be a few years old, um, but it's also across Major League Baseball as opposed to you know All Star, where it's just in your. Mm-hmm. Um, your league so I mean like for for a season like this year obviously short in season but um, you're you know measuring him up against guys like JT Real Muto who's you know the everybody thinks is sort of the prize of the free agent class this year um, and people sort of uh, have dubbed him as maybe the the best catcher in baseball all around right now or at least just uh, skill set wise you know that's That's one of the guys he beat out, and then Travis Darno, who had one of the best offensive seasons of his career, and you know was a big catalyst for the Braves. Um, You know, those were the other guys he was up against. You know, again, National League guys, not just an American League award. Uh, And the comeback player, I feel like, has been given out for a while. I mean, that's you know, obviously, the 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 bittersweetness of that is the fact that you got to be coming off of something pretty uh, (laughs) significant to to be running, (laughs) yeah. You've got to, you have, you had to have a setback to be able to have the comeback, um, to win that award. So obviously, you don't want that. But I mean, um, I think there is also, you look at it and say, maybe last year we were, uh, or maybe there was some, for Royals fans or in the organization, there was some hopefulness about what Salvi would be when he came back. But I don't know if there was certainty. I mean, you know, he just, this is his, this was his age 30 season coming off of major elbow surgery at uh, the catcher position. And, um, maybe there was some, you know, you could have made the case. It's like, okay, you think you know what you're going to get, but you don't know until it actually happens after a whole year off. And for him to come back and be, you know, arguably the best hitter in that lineup this year um, and to be, you know, his normal presence behind
0: the plate and to work with that pitching staff, I mean, that's got to be encouraging. Absolutely. And, and another piece of news that has occurred in the last week or so, the Royals uh, – it, it was determined what the uh, the, the minor league uh, stops are going to be for the Royals uh, going forward, and it doesn't change at the top. The Omaha will, will continue to be the AAA aff- uh, affiliate, and Northwest Arkansas in Double A. But it did change beneath that. And listen, I, it's, I, don't, I don't know how significant it is that um, you know that uh, the, the, the affiliations change, except for uh, just a couple things. You know, Wilmington has been had been a long time. Affiliate of the Royals, um, all all the the Royal stars that came up through the system came through Wilmington, and so there was there was a nice exchange of, of pleasantries, if you will, between the, um, the the Blue Rocks and the Royals when when it when it happened. But I thought it was one thing I thought was interesting was when word got out that that Columbia, South Carolina, was leaving. I forget the, the Mets, I think, right? weren't they yeah. the Mets? Yep, yeah. they were the Mets, low A, and um, the South Atlantic League right you for some reason you 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 knew you were kind of in on that from the beginning you had a you had an inkling that uh, that was going to be the Royals um, uh, low a or what uh, single a affiliate and it turns out that's true that in the uh, in the quad cities uh bandits in in uh, in Iowa will be the 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 two um, uh, royals below uh double a so I guess the 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 thing to that's newsworthy and interesting here is there was only four, right? Every major league team is just going to have four. Is is that right? Or how how is it going to work in minor league baseball this year?
1: Yeah, four full season affiliates. So, I mean, as opposed to where you had, you know, a short season team, uh, a rookie ball team, um, I mean, you could still have your, uh, and that's, I should say for full season domestic affiliates, cause you could still have a Dominican summer league team and you could have, you could still have a, um, a team that runs out of your facility. So for the, you know, the Royals, that'd be out of surprise, but the, you're not going to have, you know, for the Royals, uh, you're not going to have, um, you know, uh, Idaho falls, you're not going to have, uh, Burlington, um, the rookie league teams, you're not going to have those, um, for, you know, um, some of the there are teams that had uh, short season uh, teams that up in sort of like the Northeast, like where I grew up in the new England area, The New York Penn league has sort of been um, sort of taken apart. And so you won't have those teams where guys come straight out of college. And usually that might be one of the first places they go to play the short season starting in you know late June. Um, that's not going to be the case anymore. So now it's just going to be basically, you know, a low A, a high A, double A and um Triple A, as far as full season affiliates, and you might still have guys, uh, teams that you run out of your facilities in Arizona and Florida, but that's what the uh, the new look is going to be. And um, yeah, the uh, uh, I think we got that was sort of the rumored thing going back to you know almost last this time last year, um, and then um, it pretty much became solidified once the Mets. I think as soon as Sandy Alderson became the new um, head of baseball, and they they announced a new owner and Sandy you know, was asked about who their affiliates were going to be. And he ran down to four that pretty much set it in stone. that everybody knew one, you knew that it was going to be four and two, you knew that uh, Columbia was on the, uh, the outside looking in of the, <laughs> on as far as the Mets, um, right? you know, situation. And that's where, you know, I mean, having covered some minor league baseball in different places over the years, I start, I heard the rumor that it was going to be quad cities and Columbia I just wasn't able to quite get it set in stone. But, um, it sort of made sense, too, because as you talked about Wilmington, Wilmington and Quad Cities share an owner as well. So it made sort of a, an easy fit or transition, I guess I sh- you should say.
0: Right, right. So you grew up with the New York Penn League, and I kind of grew up with the Appalachian League. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, and to my understanding now, that's going to be a summer college league. Um, for, I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to work with the other, uh, other rookie uh, leagues, but I know the Appalachian league is talked they're talking about being a summer college, uh, league. So, uh, so good for those, but for the small towns that, uh, you know, that's how people pass summer nights in June, July and, and into early August, they're 60 games, you know, season 30 games at home. And I remember those days well. So, um, you know, I, I hope I hope a lot of those towns can can continue to have baseball in some way. So
1: yeah, yeah, and we probably shouldn't, uh, definitely shouldn't uh, skip over the fact Lexington looks at least right now like it's probably going to end up going independent. I mean, and people know Lexington Legends obviously had yeah some championship teams in recent years with some of the top prospects in the Royal System. Um, it looks like you know they they weren't they're not uh, on the list of teams going to be affiliated as of right now, and uh, it looks like they're. Looking at going independent and you know sort of being trying to look at it as a positive. And um, this past year, they actually did play some games with you know players that they just sort of signed themselves and put, put together a roster themselves. And considering where they're located, that seems like it might be a good fit for them. Um, they just won't you know it doesn't look like they will be an affiliated baseball, which is a little bit of a hit. But um, sounds like they're trying to make it a positive and maybe play more to their local fan base and. Um, Build their own team, and we'll see what league they end up uh, landing in.
0: Yeah, and just another some, somewhat of a local note Wichita thought, you know, they built a new stadium downtown, thought it was going to get a triple A team, ends up uh, with a double A team. So, um, all kinds of movement on the minor league level this offseason. So, okay, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Dayton Moore on, on the Greg Holland signing. And then after that, you will hear a uh, little bit of a panel discussion on the MLB network, uh, Ken Rosenthal and Ron Darling talking about some of the Royals off moves and honing in this specifically on Carlos Santana. So, hey, Lynn, it was great catching up with you and we'll do it again soon. Thanks. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit kansascitycom slash KC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
2: You know, we felt like we made um, tremendous strides last year uh, with the bullpen. Greg Holland was a huge part of that. I mean, he he anchored our pen. In a way that gave us a lot of um, comfort and uh, security, and allowed people to to kind of settle into some roles. I know uh, Mike uh, feels extremely comfortable with running Holly out there in any scenario, any situation. Uh, and so it was important for us um, to try to get Holly back. And of course, there's a comfort level here, a trust level, and um, you know this is this is where he wanted to be. And And we certainly uh, wanted him here. So I'm glad we are able to to bring him back again. You know, we signed him, you know, back out of the draft in 2007. Um, He's been a big part of the success of our organization. Uh, He's fearless in any situation. He's very resilient, a great competitor. And uh, that type of attitude certainly rubs off on, you know, the rest of uh, the pitching staff. And so to uh, see him, um, come back from adversity, which he has throughout his career, and uh, to see him, uh, you know, back in a Royals uniform is very rewarding. As I said before, we signed him out of the draft, and um, we have a lot of comfort and trust in Greg Holland. Some other news
3: also involving a team the AL Central. That'd be Carlos Santana with the Kansas City Royals. Now, when it comes to Santana, they had a bad year in 2020. Hit 199, 699 OPS. But you know one thing about him, always gets on base. AL leading, 47 walks, a 349 on base percentage. This is a two-year, $17.5 million deal. You don't often think, Kenny, Casey making moves, but Santana, that's an interesting pickup for them. Sure is, and it's not the only one that they've made. Remember, Mike Minor. two years, $18 million. Michael Taylor to a much lesser deal, but that's three free agents. And as well, they tendered five of their arbitration guys and signed them last week, including Solaire to a fairly significant salary when a lot of other teams were going the non-tender route. Now, they non-tendered Mike Elfranco, and they non-tendered Bubba Starling as well. But they have spent some money here. And it's interesting at a time when so many teams are saying that, hey, we had incredible operating losses last year, and I'm sure the Royals did too, mm-hmm. that they are taking this course. They are clearly not saying Uh uh-uh, we're rebuilding, not this year. They're trying to take a step forward and that is traditionally what they've done under Dayton Moore, even though they've
4: been, at times, in a rebuilding situation. Yeah, you you look at it this way, with Alex Gordon retired, I mean, if he didn't retire you'd have to pay him a salary, right? That would be significant. They've really taken it and reinvested in the ball club and I think that's fantastic. Uh, They've got a lot of talented players around that diamond, whether it's Merrifield uh, and others. Witt Jr. is on his way. The hardest part really is to determine those young players and how they developed um with a season of COVID. But you see that lineup with uh Mondesi and Salvador Perez and Santana Soler. Two seasons ago Soler had a breakout season. Dozier probably moves to third base now, Santana to first. But um they've made some good moves, some solid moves that is gonna make them better than last year.
3: And with their young pitching, yeah. it's the kind of team that could jump a little bit. Maybe not because young pitching, of course, is inconsistent or can be, but they are very confident in their young arms, and they believe they're going to make an impact starting this year. Yeah, that's what's unique about KC, Ronnie, is normally teams like this, the Midwest, obviously coming off a really tough season, you say, okay, you're all or nothing. Are you trying to tank, so to speak, or are you trying to go for it all? It's hard to hedge, but I
4: think, KC, they're being smart about where to spend those dollars. A Dayton Moore probably walks that line for a small market team better than anyone in the game as far as what Kansas City tries to do every year, and that is put out a really solid ball club. Also helps you in a division where there's no real juggernaut. I think the White Sox are the best. Twins are good. But this isn't like you say, oh, my goodness, we have no
3: chance of catching the Dodgers, so to speak, in the West. Well, Cleveland's going backwards, right. Right. right? They're going to trade Lindor, and they're cutting payroll. The Tigers are coming, but it's not there yet. And I don't expect it to be there in 21, though there are some promising signs. So, yes, the Twins are a force. The White Sox are clearly a force. But at the same time, who's to say the Royals can't, perhaps with an expanded playoff system that we don't know will be there yet, make a run
4: here? Best barbecue in the country, Kansas City? Uh, That's the question. Yeah, the burnt ends. Come on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Come on. That's that's, that's a lot. (laughs) That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. If you want more than just sports coverage, I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you have trouble hunting down any of these offers, just send me an email, ekirkhoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.